Oh, so glad to be back here today and see all of you and our little friend up there. <laughs> I, I like him. Well, I want to start off today and just uh, 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 wish everyone a happy Father's Day, all our fathers. And um, if you're blessed to still have your father with you, I hope you take some time to be with him today or somehow show appreciation for all he's done. If your father's no longer with you, take a few moments and remember some of the good times you had with him. And I was thinking about this. This would be the, my fifth Father's Day without my dad. And um, I was thinking about, you know, some times with him, like the time when he saved my life, literally. Um, and uh, we were in Disneyland, <laughs> and we, uh, out in Anaheim, and... Um, I was about five years old, I guess, maybe six at the most, because that's the only time we were out there was at that age we lived out there. And there's a ride called the Matterhorn. Anybody know the Matterhorn? It's a roller coaster ride that goes in and out of this mountain, and it's one of these that didn't just go up and down like this. and It went winding all around and all that. I mean, two of the wheels, you know, literally go off the track, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, and, and that. Well, we got in the car, and he's trying to buckle us up, uh, both of us. We we're together, and in the, in they were in, like, individual cars that you go through. And we're there, and the seatbelt didn't work. Our seatbelt was defective, and it didn't work. And so the only thing to hold us in the car was the bar that comes down that you pull down in front of you. Well, when you're five years old, that bar is way out here. There's plenty of room to go flying out of the car. So when my dad realized that the buckle seatbelt didn't work, uh, too, I mean, it's too late to stop the car and, you know, tell the guy, hey, you know, we're going to die. Um, <coughs> um, so, you know, the car is moving. And I remember my dad, he had one hand on that bar and he had one arm around me. So when we went out of those turns, rather than, you know, flying out of the car, and landing on my head, um, uh, he held on to me and he kept me in my seat, or at least mostly from lifting off of it. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, it was a wild ride, but uh, without him, without somebody in that car with me, without my dad holding on to me, I probably would not be here today. So I want to thank him for that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was also thinking about all the, all the times that our Heavenly Father does that. We go through this roller coaster ride in life, and it feels like, you know, we're flying out of the car, but He has a hold on us. And we get scared, we get frightened, we fear for our lives, and, uh, uh, but He's holding on, and He keeps us in the safety of the car, which is really the safety of His arms. So um, I thought that was... That was good. Well, as I said, this is a, the, the fifth Father's Day without my dad, so I'll be spending some time you know, remembering the good times and thanking God that we are able to have those. Now, if your relationship with your earthly father is strained, I, I, I just want to say this. Because, I mean, for, first off, sometimes that happens. I mean, I went through a season where uh, my dad probably might have wished he would have let go. I don't know. I, I gave him a hard time. Um, I, not really, but I mean, I, I made life, put it this way, I made life very hard for him at certain point in my life through high school and that, uh, until he learned a few things. Um, you know, but, but whatever it is, if your relationship with the father is strained, 
just pray about whether something you could do to maybe take one step toward healing or reconciliation. Just just something to take, even a baby step. Um, it's very possible that he never had a model of a good father in his life and didn't know how to be one. Um, so I, I just just pray about that. But whatever your situation, take a few moments and thank God that whatever your earthly situation, we have a heavenly father who is a good and perfect father. And let's remember that. Let's rejoice in that because, I mean, some of us had good dads, some of us had mostly good dads. Some had horrible. Um, let's remember our earthly father and just say thank you, God, for touching me and for loving me. Well, today in our series, Stay Pos Positive, we're going to talk about something that not only applies to the fathers in the room, but every single one of us without exception. Today we're going to talk about encouraging words. And for the past year, uh, you know, we have had such a difficult time, um, I, at least for me, this is past year. 2020 was, you know, uh, uh, up until recently was a very difficult time for me. Um, and I know it, it has been for a lot of people. Um, I mean, we've been through difficult times before. There's, you know, plenty of them because life, you know, life is just hard sometimes. But this past year was kind of different in that we had some unprecedented challenges that we weren't sure how to navigate, how to, how to, how to walk through. Because pretty much life as we shut down, or life as we knew it, shut down for us. Um, some of us lost friends or family members prematurely, <coughs> um, or, or, were and, and were, or were, you know, even kept away from family members and loved ones, and you know, because our social, uh, our, our social contact, which is something that really encourages us and feeds us in that, was extremely limited, especially during parts of that year. Um, and while life isn't quite back to normal, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, finally, and we know it's not a train. Uh, <coughs> you know, as the number of people that are vaccinated goes up, the number of new cases of COVID has, has dropped dramatically. Um, and but but during you know up and during this time it has been easy to become discouraged, and in times like that, one word of encouragement, when times of difficulty, in times of of the unknown, uh, and and that uh, um, one word of encouragement can make a world of difference, and God knows how to encourage us, not just in general, but. He has those things which will encourage each one of us personally that's like it was designed specifically for us. As, as we're all different, different things encourage all of us. He knows your number. He knows how to encourage you. You know, during the shutdown, I would go to the post office, you know, several times a week. We couldn't come to church, so, you know, I went to the post office. And... Uh, <laughs> You should see me going into the post office and asking them, okay, it's time for the offering. Let's bow our heads and pray. No. Um, but during the shutdown, I go to the post office several times a week, and um, uh, several of you, you know, a lot of, a lot of us give online and so forth. Several give by check. Some would drop it off, and, and you know, we'd be able to have, you know, 10 minutes or so of conversation. 
you know, and but some would mail in their tithe and which in and of itself was an encouragement. I'm not going to lie, the, the fact that it was coming in, but several of you would regularly include a scripture verse or a note of encouragement with the check. And those verses on those notes were so encouraging. And I just want to say that I just want to know you want you to know that and say thank you for that. Especially as we were trying to figure out church online, you know, how to do this thing online without equipment that, you know, using equipment that wasn't designed for that and all that. When I would get those notes, those verses and, and notes of encouragement, it meant everything. You know, I'd get back to the office with the mail and there were certain envelopes I always looked forward to opening because of the notes in them. Um, and I tell you this just to emphasize the fact that you have no idea what God might do through a single word of encouragement. And you might have thought, oh, I'm just, okay, I'm putting a verse on, you know, should I take the time to do this? Yes, it was always encouraging. Just a word of encouragement can mean so much. I've got a file in my office. It's actually in a couple of different spots now because it's grown. But a file in my office that is filled with cards that people have sent over the years, either to me or to the church, with encouraging words on them. And every so often, I will open up that file, I'll pull a couple out at random and just go through them and just, and just start reading them because they are so, they mean so much, they're so encouraging. Um, <coughs> so in preparation for this message today, I picked one of my favorites out. It's one that was sent to the church uh, and I want to share it with you this morning. Uh, it's a bit older, uh, but it's always been one of, my, one of my favorites. It was dated in September of 2007, so it's got a few years on it, but it's never lost its power of encouragement. It's one that always meant a lot to me. Um, those of you who were, who were around at the time will remember that we had a team of people that would go to set up a grill in the alley by the jail on visitation day. Because at that time, when you had a family member or friend that was incarcerated in the, in the Monroe County Jail, uh, they didn't have a visitation schedule where, you know, you show up at a certain time and then you, you know, go in. They had like several hours, you know, and okay, it starts at this time and it's going to go to this. You had to go and wait in order to visit your family member, your loved one that's in jail and just wait, for, you'd be waiting for hours. There was no scheduled you know, time or anything like that. And not only that, you couldn't wait in the building. You had to wait in the alley outside the building until they called your name. Now, how's that for a system? Uh, it's changed then, I believe, but um, so yeah, you'll remember, uh, 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 you know, and, and, and people would be there sometimes with kids, with their family, and they'd all be sitting there hanging around an alley downtown Bloomington, you know, and they would get hungry because it would be around dinner time on, you know, Wednesday nights or whatever. So our team, we had a team of people that would go and set up a grill and serve hamburgers and, you know, just start giving out food for free to these families. And that's what prompted this note. So I want to read it. Dear Vineyard Community Church, and that's you, by the way. Dear Vineyard Community Church, Wednesday, August 29th, my family and I went to Monroe County Correctional Center to visit a family member. 
None of us had ever been to visit anyone in jail before, so we had no idea what to expect. As we waited for the visitation times we posted, we grew very hungry. And then God provided for us through members of your congregation. I was so touched to see people serving God this way, uh, or, or the way they were. They were only there to show God's love, cooking, serving, and refusing donations. Because whenever we do something like this, we don't take donations. Being in the environment at the jail was an extremely unpleasant experience, but seeing the work these people at your church were doing for God was so wonderful. My family and I were at the jail almost six hours. Throughout the evening, we heard several conversations commenting on how incredible it was your church served in this way. I want to personally thank you for giving both to the Lord and to others. Please accept this small donation as a token of our appreciation. May God richly bless each and every one of you in Christ. And then they sign their name. And with that, I want to say thank you, Steve, and be sure to pass that on to Rayetta because uh, you and you led you guys led the team that did that. And what? Such a joy. And this is spoken by the guy who would. I mean, it's one thing to go out there, show up at the jail at 7 o'clock and start, you know, or 6 o'clock, whatever, and start passing out hamburgers. It's something else when you're the one that has to load up the grill, load up the gas tanks, get all the food together, load it in your truck, go there, unload it, oversee everything. You had help. Yes, you did, but you're the one that got it done. You're the one that, that, that organized it and made sure that everything was done. And there were times I know Steve would 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 load the grill onto the uh, onto the truck himself. So thank you for that. Um, again, that's one of my favorite that's one of my favorite notes. So, uh, but I wanted to read that because we are talking about encouragement and um, how much that always you know that that means to to each one of us. You know, because we are surrounded by people all the time, right? We're, we're surrounded by people all the time. Sometimes those people can be very encouraging. Other times, not so much. There's a guy in the Bible named Job who found this out the hard way. Now, Job was a great guy. He was a righteous man. He was a godly man. And all of a sudden, overnight, his life just seemed to f suddenly fall apart. Within a very short amount of time, he lost his children, his possessions, and his health. Just like, like that quick. Then his friends came around. And they were very helpful with all the answers to his problems, right? I mean, you know the story. They, were, they, they had all the answers because, you know, basically they told him, you know, Job, if you didn't have hidden sin in your life, none of this would be happening. So why don't you just confess your sin, get it out, and maybe God will have mercy on you. I mean, you know, instead of standing with him and encouraging him, they basically told him that what was happening was his fault because of the sin in his life. I mean, really encouraging, right? <coughs> well, Job responded to them with this. In Job 16, he says, I've heard all of this before. What miserable comforters you are. Won't you ever stop blowing hot air? Won't you, what makes you keep on talking? I could say the same things if I, were, if I were in, or if you were in my place. I could spout off criticism and shake my head at you. 
But if it were me, I would encourage you. I would take away your grief. I mean, have you ever had, ever wanted to say something like that to someone? Would you stop blowing hot air? I mean, why do you keep on talking? I'll, I'll admit there's a few times I've wanted to say that to somebody, but I, I, I resisted being the good guy that I am. But I sure thought it, um, which I guess is just as bad. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, but then, you know, he said, and then he says this. He said, I could say the same things if I were in your place. You know, it's easy to criticize. It's easy to point fault and blame, you know, or to, to make up something like that. But then he, he says, I could spout off criticism, shake my head at you. But if it were me, I would encourage you. I would try to take away your grief. Job was much more gracious than I would have been, most likely. But if it were me, I would encourage you. I would speak words of life. I would speak words of comfort. I would speak words of hope. I would build up rather than tear down. The words we speak have power. Proverbs 18.21, many of you know it, says the tongue has the power of life and of death. We can use the tongue to speak life or we can use the, the, the tongue to speak death. Now, it's not like there's any magical power in our words, but our words have an effect on a person's spirit and on their soul when they are heard and received. We all know what it's like to experience the piercing pain of hurtful words that just seem to cut right to our core, right to our spirit. We've all had that happen to us. On the other hand, the right word spoken in the right tone at the right moment can bring healing, hope, life, and encouragement. That's why the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It says encourage one another daily. Why? Because an atmosphere of encouragement protects us against a hardened heart. When you are surrounded by an atmosphere of encouragement, you are less prone to being deceived by the deceitfulness of sin. Encouragement always builds up. Always. It tells you, you can do it. You can make it. It tells you, you are enough. Keep going. That's what encouragement says. Whereas sin always tears down. It discourages. It destroys. It's sin's voice that tells us, you can't do it. You're not going to make it. You're not enough. Who do you think you are? You might as well quit. Encouragement empowers you to do what you previously thought impossible to do. That's why God wants the atmosphere of the church to be filled with encouragement. Filled with it. 
it should be in the air, not just in the building here, but around every single believer, everywhere we go, every word out of our mouth. There should be an atmosphere of encouragement like this cloud that we walk in, uh, 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 an atmospheric cloud that encourages everyone we meet. How do we do that? Well, one thing is, if you think something good, say it. If you have something that you think will encourage someone, say it. Not just like, oh, well, if you'd stop the sin in your life, then things would get a whole lot better. That's not encouraging. If you think something good, <laughs> say it. Determine. Determine that you are never going to miss an opportunity to speak encouragement. I wonder how many times I've thought to say something, but for whatever reason, I didn't. I wonder how many opportunities I've lost. How many times, you know, did I later think, you know, I should have said something, but I didn't. Have you ever had those thoughts? I wish I had said something. I wish I had said this to this person. Or maybe it's like this. Sometimes this happens to me. I have a conversation in my head. I have a, a, a conversation in my head with someone, but then when I see that person, I never actually speak it out. I never speak out the words, but in my mind, I've had that conversation, so it's as good as done, right? Yeah, is that, you ever do that? You ever do that? And your wife says, well, you didn't. You didn't say, you, you know, you, you didn't tell me. Oh, yes, I did. Don't you remember? I told you then. When? Then. It was in my head. Don't you remember it? <coughs> um, I, I mean, I'm just... Somebody told me that story. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this. If you have a thought that, that could encourage somebody, you're thinking something and you have a thought, you know, if I say this, it's going to really encourage this person. Who do you think put that thought in your head? Let me ask it this way. Who wants you to be an encouraging person. The Lord does, right? The enemy doesn't put those thoughts in your head. He doesn't want you to go out and encourage somebody. He's the one who discourages us from saying words that will encourage somebody. The enemy's the one who whispers things in our, you know, in our ear like, oh, that's nothing, or that sounds dumb, or they already know that, or that's not from God. It's just in your head. Thoughts like that are not from God. God wants us to encourage each other every day. He spells it out clearly there in Hebrews. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. So when you have a word of encouragement for someone, don't ask, should I speak it or not? That's not the right question. You don't want you to say, you know, I have a really encouraging word for this person. I just feel like I'm supposed to tell him this. Should I do it or should I not? That, that's not the right question. Instead, ask, is it today? Is this today? And if the answer to that question is yes, then speak it. Because that's what you're to do. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. It is always the right time to speak words of life to somebody. It is always the right time to speak words that lift up. It is always the right time to speak words that encourage faith. 
it is always the right time to speak words that, 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 that breathe hope. It is always the right time to speak words that promote healing. That's the kind of thing that God does. And if we're to be about the business of God, if we're to do the work of Jesus on this earth, then that is our job right there, to be encouragers. I love the, the, the story of Barnabas. You know Barnabas in the Bible, you know, did a lot of work with Paul. Do you know what his name was? What was Barnabas' name? Son of encouragement, that's what it means. But you know his name's really Joseph? His name is Joseph, but they called him Barnabas because he was such an encouraging person. I love that. I would love for that to be said about me, Barnabas. I don't know if we've ever had a Barnabas shunk before, but Barnabas, you know. <laughs> Encouraging words versus discouraging words. <clears throat> Encouraging words, that's the kind of thing that, <laughs> that God does. Now, here's another thing, though. It's one thing to stand here and talk about encouraging others and saying the right thing, the right thing to others. It's something else when it's you that needs the encouragement. What do you do then? What do you do when it's you that needs the encouragement? Hopefully there's someone around you that, that needs encouragement, I'm, or there's someone around you that sees you need encouragement and will speak words of life to you. But what do you do when it, there isn't someone else? We have a perfect example with King David. One time David and his men... They, they, they'd been out on a mission, and they returned to their base at Ziklag, only to find that while they were there, while they were out, the Amalekites had raided the town. They took all the women and children, and they burned the town. So all of David's men that came back to town, you know, back to Ziklag with him, they came to find their women and children gone, and the town burned to the ground. They were distraught. They became angry. They turned their anger toward David. And then in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, we read, David was now in great danger. What kind of danger? Great danger. Is there any other kind of danger? Yeah, I always, anyway. <laughs> he was now, <laughs> now in great danger because all of his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. There was no one around to encourage David. They were all upset with him. No one was going to come up and, and put an arm around his shoulder and speak words of encouragement. They were too busy picking up stones to get ready to stone him to death. Then look what, it, look what David said. It says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. That's, that's the NLT, the New Living Translation. Listen to it in the King James. King James says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Encouraged himself. That's, I, I like that translation the best in this for this reason. The Hebrew word used that's used there implies that you're talking to, to yourself. 
the Hebrew word that's used there implies that you're talking to yourself. And that's why I prefer the King James in this instance, because it brings out that same idea. He is speaking to himself. When there is no one else around to encourage him, he encouraged himself in the Lord. He spoke the word of the Lord to himself. When you need to be encouraged, speak scripture to and over yourself. Encourage yourself in the Lord. We could say, oh, there's nobody speaking encouragement. There's nobody encouraging me. I'm so depressed. I'm so down. You know, I'm sorry. Sometimes we fail each other, don't we? Sometimes we fail each other. But instead of, oh, no one's around to encourage me, you know, encourage yourself in the Lord. Do what David did. Every believer should and can learn how to do this. Every single one of us. You can learn to do it. So find promises in Scripture that apply to your situation that speak truth over your life and then speak them over yourself. Confess them yourself. Look up scriptures that speak of the character and the faithfulness of God and speak them out over yourself. Stand on them in prayer. Look up the names of God and study them. I love in the YouVersion Bible app, Tony, Pastor Tony Evans has several Bible reading plans on the names of God. And I've been going through those lately. Most of them are like really short. I think they're like three days, you know, to, to, to go through. And, and, you know, I've been going through them lately just one after another. And, and you know, the, they may be short, but they're powerful. And they speak truth. So learn to encourage yourself in the Lord like David did. You know, if you look in your Bibles at Psalms 42 and 43, it's two psalms, right? But in the Hebrew Bible, it's one psalm. In the Hebrew Bible, Psalms 42 and 43 are one psalm. Three times within that, those passages, that, those, what we have is two psalms. Three times within that space, David says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you downcast, O my soul? And then each time he responds by instructing himself by saying, Put your hope in the Lord. He had learned the secret of encouraging himself in the Lord. So then after he did that, after he encouraged himself in the Lord, you know what he did next? He asked the Lord something. In Psalm 30, or excuse me, 1 Samuel 30, verse 8, David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? In other words, the Amalekites had come, had taken everybody from the town and taken them captive. He goes, should I go after them? Should I, capture, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. And that's exactly what he did. He went after them. He caught up with them and, and, and uh, uh, rescued all of the people that had been taken and uh, uh, all the plunder that had been taken. They took back everything that had been taken from them. I want to ask you something. What has the enemy stolen from you? What has he stolen from you? He's just reached in and taken it from you. 
And then what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Sit back and woe is me. Look what the enemy did to me. Woe is me. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Stand against the enemy. Stand against the enemy. Has he been hitting your family hard? Well, encourage yourself in the Lord. Get on your knees and hit him back. Twice as hard. By doing what he hates. You know what he hates? You know what the enemy hates? He hates worship. He hates when we worship and when we praise God. He hates that. He cannot stand to to be around it. So let's get on our knees. Let's lift up our hands, lift up our hearts, lift up our voices, and and, 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 and just worship and praise God. Let's stand in the gap for our family. Has he been throwing discouragement at you? Hit him back with the truth of God's word. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Stand in his strength and what the Lord says, and then say, enough is enough. Tell him that you're not going to let him run over you anymore. You can do this, so do it. Encourage the people around you and encourage yourself in the Lord. Today is the day. Do it today. Do it today. I want to give you a 30-day challenge. 30-day challenge. It's one the Lord gave me a number of years ago first and many times since. But a 30-day challenge. Uh, Where am I? Okay. If you have a pen or paper, write down this verse. Just write the reference. And then, um, or on your note app on your phone or something. Ephesians 4.29. For 30 days, I want to challenge us to do this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. What is going to build up the people around you? What is going to encourage the people around you? For 30 days, commit to that. And if you find yourself slipping, then just quickly, Lord, I blew it. Forgive me. Get up and keep going. 30 days. And see what will happen. See what will happen in the lives of those around you. See what will happen with your own mind, in your own thinking. See what will happen in the atmosphere that surrounds you. 30 days. Only speak what will build up and encourage others. Nothing that's unwholesome. Nothing that will tear other people down. Let's stand. Hold up your hands or just be in a receiving mode for the benediction.
The Lord bless you and keep you. Like he did, like my father did, protecting me from flying out of that car that I talked about earlier. With his arm around you, may he bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you that peace that only comes from him. Receive that. It's the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.